This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. principle of studying scripture or a method of studying scripture, one that I've always used in my own personal walk and, and then apply it to this situation because I think it's an excellent method in, in, in order to get out of studying scripture, the purpose of studying scripture. And the purpose of studying scripture is that you might know uh, God, that you might know the character of Jesus Christ, and that you might see the world from the Father's perspective, that you might see the world from the perspective of God, which means that you have wisdom, and that you might be changed by it. And our, our natural instinct and reaction, our natural way of looking at uh, things in the world is we want to not see ourselves in negative light. We don't want to uh, see ourselves as being bad. And so <clears throat> we always place an emphasis on the things that we do well or that we don't struggle with as far as sin and as far as who we are as human beings. We don't want to place an emphasis on that. But those things that we're not or we might not struggle with or might have difficulty with, those things we like to uh, place an emphasis on because it makes us feel better about ourselves because, you know, those people are bad or those people are evil or those people are wicked or those people are terrible. <clears throat> and I, on the other hand, I keep the law in in all these different ways. I, I think of the rich young ruler when he, he, he came to Jesus and he told it and he said to Jesus, he said, I've kept that ever since I was a little. The truth is that's not true. He kept the law in his way ever since he was a little boy in the, in the ways where he didn't keep the law. He just didn't recognize that he was keeping, he wasn't keeping the law there. He didn't, he, he, he refused to open his heart and mind up and, and see the wickedness of his own life. And, and the same is true of all of us. We really don't want to uh, see the depravity of our own life and how our hearts and minds are so uh, far from God, even when we're born again and even when we're being saved, our hearts and minds struggle with who God is. And so in this passage, David is looking at his enemies and the people struggling with him. And it's, it's the second part of this acrostic. And he's taken a worldview of how these people oppress other people or mistreat other people. And he asked God, why are you so far away in this situation? And so what I would like to do, and, and, and this is what I do when I study scripture, when he's talking about these people who are doing these things to quote unquote the poor, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain that because it's not talking about financial poor in, in, in the sense of not having a lot of money, although that group of people is in the group that the poor represent. But the poor here is a much broader group in the Hebrew. It's a group of people that make, that, that by any worldly view are either financially, physically, giftedness, mentally <clears throat> less than the person that they're being compared to. 
And what that means is, so if I make uh, uh, $60,000 a year and you make $40,000 a year, then you're poor. If I have a, if I have a 160 IQ and you have a 120 IQ, then in that regard, you would be poor compared to me. If I, if I have a, a postdoctorate, if I have a doctoral degree and you have a high school degree, then in regard to education, you would be poorer than me. If, um, if I'm really by the world standards good looking and you are, you're just the old average Betty, then you would be poor as far as physical appearance to me. And, and what I'm saying, what I'm saying to explain that is this. There are how we treat people that we can never ever really, they can never ever do anything for us that they're, for whatever reason, due to how things are, that they're lesser than us in some way that we feel like they are, or that more importantly, maybe they feel like they are. How we treat them is really an important indication of the character you have. And because remember, God sees uh, see, meets us in our, our absolute bottom wretchedness, and he loves us, and he even likes us, and he pulls us out of that. And the character and nature of God is to take that which is so much lesser than him. Now, the fear of the Lord is the realization that I'm nothing and God is everything. I'm a speck of dust and he is the eternal God that rules over everything. And when you see fear of the Lord from that perspective and realize that God loves me, even in the midst of my nothingness, then you realize that how much more the poor, how much more the poor or those who might be just in a very small way, a little lesser than you, or not uh, as able as you are, that how you treat them is a direct reflection of how much of the character of God you actually have. And David says this, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? And he's talking about the trouble that the poor have with those who are, who are marginally, and you got to remember it's marginally, who are marginally more powerful or, or higher than them. He said, the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. And what he's saying is, and notice how he says this, and I have to put myself in my, that position. Do I, when I see that I may be marginally ahead of somebody in a situation, when I see that, do I have pride for my position above them? And then persecute or take advantage of them. See, I'm putting myself in the position of the wicked here. And what I'm doing is I'm making sure that I'm not wicked in the sense that I, I don't see the world from a worldly perspective, but I see it from a godly perspective. Do I disadvantage somebody who is weaker than me or am I Am I uh, doing my best to help them? Am I doing my best to be a resource for them, somebody that they can uh, trust, somebody that they can uh, look at and say, I, I aspire to whatever, in whatever way I'm advantaged over them, they aspire to get there. And then I'm somebody who also helps them get there, help actually <clears throat> achieve to what um, they're aspiring to. Am I a source of inspiration? Or am I someone who uses them? He says, 
The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. And what David is saying is he's saying, listen, I want these people, I want these these people to be caught in, in their working out their plots to take advantage or persecute or oppress or gain something from these poor. If they set up a plot to do that, Father, I ask that you I ask that you disadvantage them in this plot. I ask that you make them get caught in their own advices. And, and that does happen a lot. That happens a, a whole lot in the world. It may not happen all the time, and it may not happen in the timing that you want it to happen in. But God's about doing that because God has regard for the poor. In fact, later on we'll read where it says, blessed is the man who has regard for the poor, which means blessed is you're blessed. That's one of my favorite, my dad's favorite verses in scripture when he was here on the earth. He, it, it was the idea is blessed is the person who sees somebody that for some way, in some way is lesser or not up to their level. And they take regard of them and they look at them and they say, I see you there. I'm going to help you get to here. He says, for the wicked boast in his heart's desire which means the wicked takes pride in what he wants. And because he has this advantage, whatever that advantage is, he takes advantage of other people and seeks out and desires the things that they have and takes it from them, even though they, even though that person already has more than the one he's taken advantage of. He says, he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord, which means he, he gathers around himself people who are uh, greedy and desirous and want to... Uh, work schemes to take advantage of other people. And he he blesses their activity and he joins in with those activity, those activities. And in those activities, by doing that, you literally are, sh- are shunning the very character and nature of God because God is not that. He is one who sees us in our nothingness and makes something out of us. And so he says the wicked in his pride, in his proud continence, does not seek God. And that's how he presents himself. He presents himself as better than everybody else, as more than everybody else. And in, in, in all kinds of ways in life, I try to make sure, even though I may have really nice clothes or I am a very tall man, and I do realize that that has an advantage as people see you in the world to be, I'm a very large man that has advantages. And I realize that my education and some of the things that I've been able to experience in my life are up there. That being said, God didn't give me those things. Those things were not given to us and to you for you to be be puffed up about them because they're really nothing. The truth is, you say, it's not nothing to be six foot four, but if you'll look around, how many 90-year-olds do you see that are six foot four? Not many, because to be as large as I am, as big a man as I am, that, that takes a toll on your body over the years, and generally speaking, tall men don't live as long. See, they're... they're for every advantage that worldly advantage that we look at for ourselves in 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 the world the truth is on the other side there's a disadvantage because that disadvantage is meant to offset that and keep your pride from taking over there there is a disadvantage to being educated not all disadvantage but there is a disadvantage because you begin to think that everything and, and you begin to be closed off to learning and to growing and to maturing. There's the, and I can go through every aspect of the advantages and disadvantages of things that the world considers great and the world considers less. But your countenance, how you 
act in the midst of whatever is your advantage in the world really reveals your character. He said, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. So he doesn't humble himself. God is in none of his thoughts. And the more you seek God out and the more you become him, the, the less you see your advantages as something to be prideful about. And the more you see your advantages as a gift given to you by God to help and to love and to have concern for those around you. And it is a tool given to you by God to build treasure for yourself in heaven. And that treasure that is built in heaven is other people and whether or not you are a source of grace and comfort and light to them. And if you are a source of grace and comfort and light to those around you, using the gifts that God has given you, and he gives some more than others. We, we even know the parable of the talents that Jesus said. Uh, one To one he gave five, to the other he gave two, and the other he gave one. Did, did he think lesser of the person that got the two that got two and one? No, he just gave them those talents and he expected them to put those talents to use. And the one who had five put it to use and got five more. And the one who had two put it to use and got two more. And the one who had one talent, he, he didn't put his talent to use. And see, um, <clears throat> God's reaction to the five talent man who got him five more was the same reaction that he had to the two talent man who got him two more. Because God's not interested in the outcome because he's in control of the outcome. So you need to understand in life, God's interest is not in the outcome. He, he's already decided the outcome. It's like watching, uh, as we do right now, because we don't have any sports on TV. It's kind of like watching a football game from two years ago that you already watched. If you're watching it to, to be excited about the outcome the way you were before, well, that's foolishness. Uh, you already know what the outcome is. It's going to end. You watch it, then you're watching it for the enjoyment of seeing them seeing the athletic ability and the how and the and the and the excitement of, of the ball game and watching the players that you remember playing. Why would you watch a movie for the second time if, if all you were interested in is to see what the outcome was? You wouldn't. Because you already know what the outcome is. You want to watch it because of the way it made you laugh or the way it made you feel or what you saw or remembering the story it tells. See for God He's not interested in the outcome because he's already, he, that's not of great interest to him. He's already decided the outcome. What he's interested is it, what he's interested in is your actions and reactions in the outcome. How he's interested in you in the process. And so using, using your gifts and talents that he's given you to advantage the poor or those who are lesser in some way than you is evidence of your character. And God is in the business of building your character. And so that's what he wants to do. He says, his ways are always prospering. David's saying, I'm watching these people who are doing this and their ways are always prospering. That's the way we think about it, isn't it? And boy, they just always get away with it. No, they don't. Because the one who holds the scales is in heaven, not everybody else. Um, he says, your judgments are, afar, are far above out of sight. What he's saying is, I know you hold the scales and I know you're ultimately going to handle it, but I, I can't see you doing it right now. Remember, God is not a God of the momentary. He's a God of the eternal. Hear me. God is not a God of the momentary. He's a God of the eternal. And so God's, God's lack of movement from your perspective 
in the momentary events of the day is not is not a godly view of things. It's a ungodly view of things because God is interested in the eternal. He's interested in what's going to last. And so just because I think they're getting away with it forever, you don't get away with it forever. If you're not a part of his kingdom, then let me tell you something. There is going to be consequences both here and in the life hereafter. And if you are part of his children, let me tell you something. He's going to discipline you as a good father will. And if a good if if a father doesn't discipline you, then that means that you're not a legitimate son of his, or you're not a legitimate daughter of his. And quit looking at things in the temporal. He says, as for all his enemies, he sneers at them, which means God, you're just sneering at him. You're not doing anything. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. Notice what he's talking about. What he's talking about. He, I'm sorry, I ascribed that to God, and it was for the ones who were proud. He said, for as for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He's not worried about anything. He is said in his heart, I shall not be moved, which means he said, I can't be changed. I'm not going to grow. And is that you? If that's you, then you're acting like the wicked and you're not acting godly because godliness is, is by definition going to lead to sanctification. Sanctification means that you're going to be changed. He said, I shall never be in, in adversity. I, I want to go back that real quick so you can remember that. If a person says, to you when uh, adversity or when God's discipline comes, if they say in their heart that this is the way I am and you're just going to have to take me as I am, what they're saying to you is, I will not be changed by God. And if that's the case, if they're not going to be changed in any way, if the situation and circumstances that they, uh, they're in is not going to ever change them and they're just going to come up with reasons and excuses why it's not, if, if that's the way it's going to be, let me tell you something. They're acting just like the wicked, and that has a result all of its own. He says, I shall never be in adversity. That is not true. God makes the sun and the sunshine on and the rain on the wicked and, and the just all at the same time. You, every person on the earth is going to experience adversity, and every person on the earth is going to experience difficulty. And that, that is without uh, exception. Everyone is. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. And what that says is that he, his mouth runs about his wickedness all the time. And you can see that. And Jesus said, of the overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. And so we know that when we listen to somebody enough, if there, if there's pride and boastfulness always coming out, then we know where they stand and who they really are. He says, and notice he does say cursing, deceit, oppression, trouble, and iniquity. Our words should be, our words should be uplifting, encouraging, building up, not destroying. He sits in the lurking places of the village. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. And let me tell you something, that is true. And, and, and we need to, is it a practice of yours or even is it something that you do that you, you pray on and you take advantage and you take from those who are weaker than you and taking from them, um, taking from them more than you would take from someone else in a situation 
we live in a capitalist society and and oftentimes we can gain a a a advantage over some somebody it's called arbitrage in economic terms but we can take it we can have an advantage over someone and take advantage of that so that we can gain wealth and in, in my uh, profession i oftentimes find people in a weak position and i could take advantage of them financially if if i wanted to and I have to make sure that I, I am looking at their situation and who they are, and I'm doing what I think God would have me do in their circumstances. Now, obviously, I, I cannot, it's not to, to somebody's advantage for me to, to do legal things for them for free. And, and, and there's a reason for that, because that which uh, costs you nothing means very little to you. And especially if we're going to go into an adversarial situation with someone else in the courtroom, I need you to value what we're doing very highly or our, our endeavor is going to be a failure. But one amount of money for some person and another amount for somebody else might be totally different. And there might be some people who come into my office who in no way could actually pay what the value of my services are, but they're, they're, what they're doing is of great import, is great importance to them and importance to, to our society for whatever reason. And I have to go in my mind and heart and say, okay, what can this person pay so that it'll be definitely something that's very important to them so that they will put the efforts into it that they need to uh, see it to an end. But I might not charge them as much as, as I might give them a discount based off of their circumstances. And that's how I, that's one of the ways I things and one of the ways I have to deal with things as, as far as an attorney. But you, there are many other ways in life that other people have to deal with each other and believers have to begin to have the heart of God and see what God's doing and how God's doing. And to include in my profession, there are people who come in who have all kinds of money and what they want to do, I don't want to be a part of. And so it doesn't matter how much you pay me, I'm not going to do it for you. That's just the way it is. I, I don't have to, I don't have to um, be your lawyer. And if what you're doing is something that I perceive that I don't want to be a part of, I'm not going to, because maybe you're taking advantage of someone else. He's, I, <clears throat> I, 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 you need to be doing what you're doing for the purposes in which God has given you that ability and that position and, and see them out to the end and let God, like I said, because he's already in control of it. Let God be in control of the outcome. He says, he lies in wait secretly as a lion is in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor, the weak, the lesser. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches and he lies low. <clears throat> and remember, <clears throat> anytime you see the word lion, that means a spiritual power. So he's literally acting like the devil, okay? So he crouches, he lies low that the helpless may fall by his strength. Uh, he has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. What he's saying is God's not watching me. And that's just not true. <clears throat> in your dealings with people, as God is watching, God knows. He says, David says, arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the, the humble, those in low circumstances. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, 
Do not forget the people who are in these low circumstances. The helpless commits himself to you. I mean, and, and we know that. He says, when people are in these circumstances, the helpless, they, they look to you for help. And the old saying that there's no atheist in foxholes is really true because when death is right there around the corner, people always turn to God. When ruin is around the corner, people always turn to God. When the test is coming, you've not studied like you ought to, you are always turning to God for help. Now, some of those situations are ruins by your own device, but the truth is that that we're all being, if we face ruin, we face it because it's our own device. It's of our own weakness. He says, why did the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. God does require an account. I've already said, and we'll say it again. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. That which man so shall he also reap. But you have seen for you, but you have seen for you observe trouble and grief. God, David's saying, I know God, you, you understand that. And now even more that Jesus, he's familiar with our sufferings. He says, you, uh, to repay it by your hand, the helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. And that's one of the key ones right there. Uh, one of the, one of the key, uh, phrases and one of the key signs of, uh, of a believer is how we treat the widow and the orphan. And one of the ministries that I'm involved in Montgomery, Alabama called Shepherd Staff Ministries is committed to taking care of the widow and the orphan and the father. And one of the things I, the one of, well, the most enjoyable thing I do as a, as an attorney is a guardian ad litem for children whose parents either are unable or can't take care of them by their circumstances or by, by their afflictions, whatever they may be, drugs or things like that. Caring for those who cannot care for themselves is important. And those who prey on the weak and the helpless and the, and the small and the nothing, um, God sees that. And those who regard those, God, God knows. And you are the helper of the fatherless. I love that phrase. And if you're going to be like God, you, you have to be one who uh, takes care of the fatherless. He says, break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. What he's saying is destroy his strength. Destroy. He says, I'm strong. He says, break that arm. The Lord is king forever and ever, and the nations have perished out of his hand, which means as he built them up, he's allowed them to be destroyed and just seep from his hand. You have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to, to do justice to the fatherless and oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more, which means there's coming a day that God is going to take care of all those who've called out to him and called out to his name. We want to have the character of God, and the character of God is to, uh, is to have concern for those who are less, because we are all less than him. And, and today, as we have a beautiful Friday to go into, my prayer is that you would do that, and that you would uh, consider those around you who are weaker, who are lesser in some way, although the way they are lesser than you is is marginal compared to the way you're lesser to God. But uh, to see them and to be a source of comfort, love, strength, and, and light to them. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.